1: This episode of Bush's Breakaway is brought to you by Igor Shosturkin stopping literally every single goal ever. Stopping it. Just stopping. Just stopping the goal. Just winning the game by himself. Pretty much doing everything for the New York Rangers. And he definitely, if he could or knew he existed, would subscribe to our Patreon at BushersBreakaway.com. Or uh, whatever it is. Patreon.com slash Bushers Breakaway. You get it. You know what? You listen to the show. This isn't your first time. If it is, Or if it is, welcome aboard. Big show today. Recap the first week of Rangers Hockey Oh man, we are uh, <laughs> the overtime has really messed my head up. We are going through the motions. There's a lot that's happened. There's been the let's call it out the the Georgiev game, the Adam Fox game, the Lafreniere game, and now the Igor game in a row. Fun times. We cover all of them. We talk about tonight's game extensively and what the Rangers have in store moving forward with their lack of depth. But before we get to that, let's get to Mark Messier. And oh yeah, we have the Twins on the show, the Evolving Wild Twins. A very fun interview. One of my favorite guests or both of my favorite guests i don't know how that works here we go transition to the show
2: hi everybody it's mark messier and you're listening to blue shirts breakaway the number one rangers podcast
1: fans, welcome to the, the Bush Breakaway. I am your host Ryan Mead of Patreon.com/bushriggerbreakaway. So you can support us, all that other stuff. You could be the backbone of our team, like Igor Shusturkin, Gregory. Say hello.
2: Uh, I think the most appropriate way to begin this podcast is with a good old hearty ah!
1: <laughs> Is it? I know you're a big uh, baseball is blah 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 playoffs, all that stuff. But three v three
2: hockey is just electric. It's the fucking it three v three hockey. It's the is incredible. Mess. Three, but I don't think I've ever seen a more chaotic no. overtime than no. the one we just witnessed. Uh, and again, it's that chaos that lasted all of four minutes and change is exactly why overtime should just be untimed and st- it should just keep going until someone scores. Also,
1: I, I just did the slack thing. I'm so We're going to get idiot. into
2: the entire game, I'm sure. But we need to talk more intrinsically about this three on three because not only was it pure and utter chaos. We just sat through a fucking three-on-three that included a shift in which Barclay, Goodrow, and Sammy Blay were on the ice at the exact same time. I saw Kevin Rooney got a fucking three-on-three shift. He did. <laughs> he did. I, I just, There's so much to break down did. for this game, Gregory, and I got
1: to tell you, my mood would be entirely different if that OT didn't go the way it just did. Honestly, if the yeah, game just ended 1-1 you... at the end, like a like, like a football European football match, my tone this podcast would be increasingly negative in a way that is oh. I can't what I watched tonight I, I the Rangers won so it's it's a phenomenal win the OT was some of the best most entertaining hockey I've seen in a long time I'm having a wonderful time right now but the game tonight was exhausting torturous
2: uh, The I can't say anything nice about the way the game was played I, I, I understand that you entertain my Mets bullshit on a nightly basis. I do, but c- congratulations! You just watched the Jacob DeGrom game. That's that, that's what Igor Shustarkin did. It
1: it, we're so lucky as Ranger fans to be sitting here uh-huh. to not only have Henrik Lundqvist join the broadcast on surprise, and we haven't spoken to anyone that's not a BSBOT listener on Patreon since last week, so we do have some things to cover between not fighting the Washington Capitals, uh, going to overtime versus the Dallas Stars, and being a little let down. Uh, The Lafreniere, I'm coming home goal, of course. And then this, whatever this game was, the Igor game. But we're so, 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 so lucky to have Henrik Lundqvist go go to MSG and then transfer just automatically to someone who, I think legitimately, I think it's safe to say, I'm trying not to overreact, but has the potential to be a generational goalie, is definitely Uh,
2: elite. it's the word. It's the word you use, generational, right? And I think we overuse that word. And that's I why. Think I, that's why I said potential to be, potential to be. Well, but it's definitely... I don't even think he has the potential to be because generational implies he's once every two decades, right? Like Hen-
1: Henrik Lundqvist mind. was once every two decades.
2: Yes, and I don't think whether fair or unfair to Igor, we don't need to get into this right yeah, now. Yeah, this
1: is an off-season the, the, the,
2: Your sentiment is correct. The New York Rangers are going from one of the best goalies into league to a player who has the potential to be one of, if not the best goalie in the league. I think a lot of, I would have, I, I usually look at this stuff, but it sure would have been interesting to see what Shesterkins Vesna odds would have been before the season started. I know he definitely wasn't in the top five. He probably was somewhere around that 25 to one 30 to one mark. And that money would have been super fucking juicy. And I'm here to say that four games into the season, If those were the odds back then, those definitely aren't the odds now, and your odds now are going to stink. The the, the short of it is we are beyond blessed to be able to go from Hank to Igor. But, Ryan, as you know, Greg Kaplan, huge fucking pessimist. I do know this. Real fucking wet. I new here. Real real big black rain cloud on a nice, beautiful day. Uh, I have plenty of bad things to say. Don't worry. I got to tell you. I got to tell you. I have a, I, it, I can appreciate Igor's greatness while also understanding that Igor's greatness at least increases by 1% every time he has a game like this. How much disdain I have for how the New York Rangers have handled Alexander Georgiev and how they allowed Alexander Georgiev to be a bigger priority than just hanging on to Henrik Lundqvist for another year.
1: Oh, I, I think that... It's something I haven't thought about in a long time,
2: but Oh, but, I think about it. I thought about it throughout the entire second intermission and the entirety of the third period tonight.
1: It it is when you put it that way, it, it's almost like disgraceful. Like we we thought we should hang on to Georgiev because he's an asset. The Rangers might end up with like a fourth round pick for Georgiev eventually. Was that worth and, and listen, we don't we the, the Hank thing was always gonna happen with the heart, right? We we didn't know that at the time. We had no idea, but they wouldn't have had to buy him out. Not that that money really mattered anyway. It's not a big deal, but it's the whole act of buying out Hendrik Lundqvist. And then you still have Georgiev here, who's like, whatever. I'm not going to talk about him tonight because we, well, we could do it right now. I mean, opening night game versus Washington. Uh, Georgiev, hashtag not good. Uh, we could do a quick – let's just do a quick breakdown to the last three games. It's super easy. Yeah.
2: Now – I, you, you say, if not good. I, we should make note that the entire Ranger team was not good. Uh, the but... second
1: period tonight was very much like the second period versus Washington, where it was unnotable, lethargic.
2: But the second period tonight was very much like the second period against Washington, the first period against Dallas, and one of the periods against Montreal. It seems to be we're slowly building a case where the second period tonight is not an outlier, and it seems to be something that's happening maybe not with regularity but with consistency on a night a game to game basis. The New York Rangers for whatever reason it, it and here's the here's the problem. Here here's here's the real hard thing I have about talking about this because it's it's difficult to say on one hand in a vacuum, right? You kind of understand it. The New York Rangers are without Strone. they're without Cocco. So they're without 33% of their nightly top six and they don't have Vitaly Kravtsov to put into that top six for moments like these and seemingly
1: not coming back he's in Russia
2: not coming back definitely not coming back so it's like on one hand um this is an outcome that happens when you are hampered by injuries and I understand that on the other hand this is also what happens when you decide to build your depth with more gritty and defensively-minded forwards. This is – I can't say that everything's going to be great and good when everybody's healthy because it's very rare that there will be a time where everybody is healthy, and we no longer live in a world where the Rangers have these skill guys under third line that they can boost up. Like, Park Lake Goodrow, as good as he is defensively, and I will be thankful for him, I'm sure, in a playoff series. But we have to get there first. And we're living in a world where the Rangers, they've scored six goals in regulation. And I think four of those goals have been at five on five. Yeah. That's not <laughs> going to man.
1: Not going to get there. You, you can't have Igor do this every single night. Tonight he did. Tonight he was outstanding. Dude, when he came out of the net in overtime and he made the pass and he somehow got back and still made his well, save. Well the first the first save he it didn't even get a back chair he made a window. that save
2: 30 feet from the goal mouth. It's ridiculous. He's insane. He's he's an animal. I it's You know how net my you, know, God. you know how he played I, so we, deep We in the all net? know they were like he was Yeah, we, so we all know Igor's there. good, but then you get games like this where it's not just that Igor's good, it's that Igor's good against the Toronto fucking Maple Leafs who were they weren't just peppering the net. They were shooting from high danger situations. On a constant basis. Oh, they weren't. And they couldn't just break just him in. down. And
1: the only goal they got was the one that, that Igor didn't see. It was supposed to be a pass. And <laughs> kind of went it off. It was the, an oopsie-daisy. Like, yeah, it was an oopsie-daisy. Oopsie that's hockey. That's that's exactly. That's the only goal that Igor let up tonight. Nothing on purpose. It, it's just, oh, man. We're so freaking blessed. And I, I can't believe that just happened. So let's just just let's just quickly go for the people who haven't watched all the games for the past week because this is what we do. Let's just do a quick two-minute recap of the last four games. Super quick. Just the start of the season. You know, getting in the groove here. Yep. Washington game. Capitals game. game no utter, fights. No fights.
2: I, I wouldn't call it a disgrace, but. It's close. It's definitely it's, close. I mean, it is right there with the Rangers getting fucking waxed by the Islanders on opening night last year. Right? Yep. Almost carbon copy. The difference is both games they lost by four, but one of the games they put one in, though it ended up not mattering, except if you were a degenerate like me and you bet over five and a half goals. Yep. Um, but again, yeah, the would... fact
1: that there was no fights after you spent a whole season in toughness, we think it's going to be a bloodbath, just something that I can, I'll never understand. Really won't. Tom well, they looked, didn't they even looked getting, like...
2: good for the first 12 minutes. And then it's like, yeah, guild, Gior- lets a goals in and the airs out of the, the building for that. Even the, though they're it, in capital. As soon as, even though the goal got called back and the Rangers got saved for a little bit there, as soon as that second goal, that was not a goal went in, it's like the Rangers were like, well, that's that. Uh, we're just going to skate around now and try to play hero ball. And it didn't fucking work because, again, the guys playing hero ball are guys like Dryden Hunt right. and Barclay Goodrow. And and God Ryan bless Reeves. Dryden
1: Hunt. And those uh, Goodrow is going to be a good part of this team for six maybe years. But Dryden Hunt, like, uh, I don't know, seems like a, a nice player. Not sure the offensive ability is there. Greg McKay had a lot of. Um, Dryden Hunt's Greg being asked move. to do
2: things that he's not supposed to be asked to do. Colin Blackwell that not last Dryden year and Huns he ended up fault. scoring.
1: And then we let him go. So there you go. I'm not going to cry over Colin Blackwell right now. But second game, um, they go to uh, Dallas Stars come to the MSG. We're there. <laughs> MSG puts us on TV. Someone gets fired for that. Absolutely. Uh, after that, the game is uh, kind of a snoozer. Adam Fox uh, continues to be a Norris candidate. Maybe well, he's – I'll, I I'll, I'll the, use this term correctly this time. A generational defenseman. <laughs>
2: Yes. Well, even then I don't know if we can call him generational because we have to acknowledge that
1: McCarr Cal McCarr
2: doesn't play for our favorite team, but he's so fucking good too. Yeah, you're right. So again, just call him a there's nothing there's no harm with calling these guys top three players in their position. That one I'm that gonna is stick to. Quite the compliment. That
1: one I'm gonna stick to. That's okay.
2: That's fine. I'm I'm not gonna argue it. That's a very lame thing for the host of a New York Rangers podcast. It's actually a med <laughs> Podcast, it's actually a horse racing podcast, it's actually about unemployment podcast right. You're supposed to talk about it. Yes. Um Again, the, the, it's, it's difficult with the Stars game. You call it a snoozer overall. Really, what the first period, fucking atrocious. Uh, the first period was a continuation of everything that went poorly in the Capitals game. And you and I were legitimately talking to each other like, is this team actually bad? I understood we were reacting to four periods of hockey. But four shots in the first period, they looked disinterested. They weren't even playing what we would consider a quote-unquote tough style of hockey. They just looked like they weren't interested in possessing the puck and playing offense. And then the second period, they looked like a hockey team that was blessed to have talents like Mika Zabedic, well, Adam Fox specifically, but also Mika Zabedic, Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider, Capo Kako, Alexi Lafreniere. It looked like a team that could generate some offense, and that's why they started generating some offense. And then after that, it kind of became a a battle of two equally talented teams that were trying to find the back of the net and going up, quite honestly, against extremely hot goaltending. Like, the amount of times a goalie – I know Anton Kadobin is an incredibly good goalie, but he came off the bench completely cold and decided to put on a fucking circus act in the last 10 minutes of that third period. That's going to happen very rarely uh, to any hockey team, let and alone but, the New York but Rangers. But it did happen,
1: and then they go to overtime. But it did
2: happen, and the Rangers lose in overtime. That's kind of just a tough luck, tough break. It was, the, the final two periods were very encouraging in contrast to the first period. I'll be honest with you. I didn't get to catch much of the Montreal game. All you gotta but know it about sounded the Montreal, like the Montreal game. game, it went along the same lines as the Stars game. Yep, just all... a better Igor performance in goal. Oh, you and gotta again, know? It's not like he, it's Lafreniere... not even like Igor was bad in goal. No, no. On uh, Thursday, he wasn't. He wasn't. It, it, all you gotta
1: know about that game is Lafreniere was destined to score, and everybody in the Montreal building had to know that was going to happen, and he did. Yes, and then. Uh, obviously a tremendous moment for him coming home, his dad, dad Frenier being there with him, able to cheer it on, uh, and that that's really it. I mean, it was a grind-out game very similar to tonight, but the Montreal Canadiens are a little bit of a, even though they beat the Leafs, are a little bit of a less offensive firepower team than the Toronto Maple Leafs, which brings us back to Igor and the entire, you know what, I can't take any of these people that go... What about Artemi Panarin? What, where is he? Yeah, man, what are you talking about? He's got three points through four games. Like, yeah, he's had some questionable decisions, some interesting— not interesting, some, frankly, bad passes. But this guy, this is a man who carry, has carried the Rangers to multiple wins himself. He's a superstar. He's going to figure it out. And guess what? He did at the end of the game. They, they clearly would have face-off. Panarin wins the game for them. Like, uh, if there's anything I'm worried about on this team— Greg, it's not Artemi Panarin. It's like the last thing I'm worried about.
2: The the Panarin vibes, a lot of – the thing that surprises me is I've seen some of the culprits who are tweeting the Panarin vibes, and almost every single one of them were people telling me you should calm down and not worry about the slow start Francisco Lindor got off to with the New York Mets. So it's like – But it's just like Lindor hadn't even been here. Like, Panarin, we have a track record. The dude's not only going to figure it out, when he figures it out, good fucking luck. Again, like you said, he has three points in four games and the game winner tonight. And all of us would say that Artemi Panarin is not playing up to his abilities at this point in time. So he's doing this when he's at his lowest. He's still finding ways to contribute when he's struggling. That is a blessing. And again, I, I, I some of this, I think what we've learned with Artemi Panarin is that this dude more than maybe anybody else on the New York Rangers, is a fucking creature of habit. He's a guy that needs consistency. He needs to know who's next to him on a nightly basis, and it can't be up for discussion. And whether, again, we spend so much time in this podcast laughing at, joking about, we're talking about trades with Ryan Strome. And all of those points, by the way, totally valid and fair. But Ryan Strome on a nightly basis is just there for Temi Panarin, and Panarin doesn't have to fucking worry about anything. If anything, the only question that should be asked is, why did it take two periods to put Panarin with Mika Zibanejad tonight? Zibanejad, for all purposes of this game, was the only forward that looked like he was trying, in my eyes. And he was fucking trying. And that's why the Rangers' only goal tonight was an unassisted Mika Zibanejad goal before overtime. And then, lo and behold, who gets the lone assist in overtime? Mika Zibanejad to Artemi Panarin. It shouldn't have taken – I understand we don't live in the the line blender world that we used to live in with David Quinn, but it shouldn't have taken 40 minutes of hockey for Gerard Gallant to be like, boy, Artemi Panarin's looking a little sluggish out there. Amiga Zibanejad looks like he's got the hot hand. So maybe I should put Panarin on the top line with Zibanejad and Kreider and I'll ride that out. It shouldn't have taken as long as it did. I I can't be angry that he finally got there, right? It's like – He did get there. He he got there, but it really I, I th- this is this is the moment where like I struggle with some people who break down hockey because it's it's very clear that Gallant believes he needs to separate Zabanajet and Panarin to make sure one of them is on the ice almost at all times and I, to try there, to get as much score as possible out of the lineup. There.
1: I get it. I can see why I, I get what you're it, going
2: but for. in this situation when nobody is generating offense and we now have four games of evidence that the New York Rangers are not generating offense. At some point, you have to stack the lineup. You have to do it. I know it might hurt in the short term for guys like Lafreniere, who's going to have to go down a line. And it's – I don't know what you want to do on the bottom six. It's just a fucking smorgasbord of – on that right now. But right now, you have to play Panarin and Mika. There's just no other – because they will be on the ice together for 16 minutes a night, right? And in those 16 minutes, that might be the only offense you're generating. Right now, the New York Rangers are not generating 16 minutes worth of offense. We oh, are, dude. They're literally like eight
1: that. minutes of offense. Like, maybe, uh, maybe. Yeah, you, uh, they were you like have to put 13 shots uh, through like 10, the 10 minutes left in the third. It was like
2: super embarrassing. If if Strom if Strom's ready to go the next time the Rangers play was it Thursday night?
1: I think he's gonna probably gonna miss. He might be. He'll probably be ready to go Thursday night versus
2: Nashville. Until Strom is ready to go, I'm sorry. You have to play Panera and Mika. There's 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 just you you cannot do anything else right now there's nothing is working you can't move you're not going to move Barkley Goodrow up to be the second line center right yeah well you're we not haven't even move play up Capococco to play is, on Panarin's wing
1: is now on the IR he's going to be out at least seven days Gallant has said he believes he'll have him back shortly after that let's say he probably misses the weekend and he comes back next Monday optimistically I mean it's so clear like you just said how Panera needs those two players like a Strom and a Kako next to him and moving up up with Mika a person he's played with and whatever he's played with Mika it's always been break glass in case of emergency situation it's never
2: been anything else there's yeah. that's the only
1: time so uh,
2: and you know where you know where we are right now we're in a play break right? it's it's not like a full fledged emergency because again it's only been 4 games but I just I don't know how you can look at what this team is doing at five on five and think things are working. I'm totally fine. And when fine things with, are working, you got to change
1: it. I'm totally fine with moving Lafreniere down to play with Hedl and Goudreau. Gaudreau is defensively responsible and can allow for their mistakes. Uh, if there is defensive mistakes between the two, Lafreniere looks like he's got a little better defensively this year, but it's, that is still a lot to show short, small sample size and all that. And, you know, I don't know if he, Hedl seems a little bit overmatched at two C right now, but that could, that could change very quickly. Let him get grooving. So I have no problem with that second line heading into the, Uh, into the national game on Thursday. But I will say, if you are going to call up Morgan Barron, you made this point earlier, and we've made this point all season. If you're going to call him up, you need to play him. He's clearly a better skill player than Greg McKegg. I'm sorry, he just is. Sorry, Kegger. Love you, buddy. But you need to play Morgan Barron. And if, if Morgan Barron shows some shine on the fourth line, well, then he can move up to the third and then maybe play a wing position at that point in time. It, you need any offense you can find. You're not getting. You're not getting Krafts off. You don't have Kako. There's no other random wings named Muchdevic walking through that door, Greg. You have nothing. You need to work with the offense you have, and that if if what you have is Morgan Barron, that's better than some options you're playing right now.
2: I will. I will say this. I'll give. I'll give Gallant the benefit of the doubt because I did not realize, and I'm sure you did not realize, that Morgan Barron has played three straight nights. Going into tonight, tonight would have been night four of four. I do not follow
1: Baron. the AHL roster right. and schedule that way, so I will give neither. Neither I do I. Take that, back me. That's also first
2: of all fucking bonkers that that's how the AHL schedules their games, and we should probably work on that. But that is the world we live in right now, where I it would have been a big ask to make Baron come in fresh. No, well, not fresh in his case, and play top nine minutes in Mont in Toronto against the Maple Leafs. A big ask. However, if Cockle and Strom are not playing Thursday, we cannot I, – I love Kevin Rooney. You know I love Kevin Rooney. That dude is my boy, and I would like to be friends with him away from podcasting and the hockey world. At the same time, kind of like how I reacted to when I saw Kevin Rooney on the ice in a three-on-three situation, absolutely fucking no. That dude is not supposed to be that player. You did not keep Kevin Rooney to be that player. That is – This is the situation Morgan Barron is supposed to get that runway and an opportunity to run away with it. And I, this opportunity might not be long, long last. It might be just a couple games this time, but if Morgan Barron is here, not only does he need to be playing, he needs to be playing in a role in which he can showcase his abilities. And that is not on the fourth line with Ryan Reeves and Dryden Hunt. It has to be on a line with players that can help him create the Rangers. We just talked about this. They are struggling to produce offensive opportunities. We cannot live in a world where the New York Rangers are rolling out half their lineup that is meant to just be big bodies, get bruises, and limit and suppress offense in their own defensive end. They have to find players to create opportunities on both ends of the ice, which makes the Kravtsov situation that more fucking frustrating. It does. And again, we, we we don't need to relitigate it. You and I did uh, an emergency episode on the main feed, and I did essentially a bonus hour and a half podcast with our Discord members about the entire situation. D- but I
1: will the- update the people out there that he is back in Russia. That that has been he ain't,
2: con- he ain't coming back. That guys. has been confirmed. It's, it's,
1: it's that open the door and they're trying to get him back, but it seems like, according to Vince Mercogliano, re- recurring guest on this podcast, uh, it seems the relationship is extremely frayed. Having one source say there's almost no way to repair this. So there you go.
2: Right. And again, I, I'm not here to blame player. I'm not here to blame the organization, not at least I'm not here to blame one without blaming the other. There are faults on both sides of this debate. At the same time, the reason I still remain most angry at the organization is because you had to know that this was a potential outcome. If you didn't know this was a potential outcome, you don't have a good grasp of your players personalities and of the players that make up your roster. And if that's the case, the New York Rangers did a hell of a job at not creating a deeper safety net. Remember on this podcast when we were at the end of training camp and we were talking about how for the first time that you and I can remember that the New York Rangers are in a position where if injuries happen, it seems like they have this nice pool of depth players to call up from I remember this in feeling. the minor leagues.
1: I feel like that was yeah. three weeks ago. I was like, it, oh my it, it God. It wasn't we have- that... We have so much depth. There's no, there's no problem. Now it's just the defensive depth, and even then is kind of
2: thin. Yeah, but that depth was super reliant on Vitaly Kravtsov because it just it moved everybody else down a peg. It meant it meant that if we were in this situation, it would be Gauthier coming in along with Kravtsov, which creates possibilities for your lineup. It wouldn't be Gauthier already in the lineup and you having to be like, "Fuck, is it McKeg tonight or is it Baron?" Like it's. It's so – the Rangers, in my mind, it's like they shouldn't have been one player away from being super shallow. But at the same time, that one player was so important to the pecking order that fell below him that it really just unsettled everything underneath there. And that's what makes it so fucking frustrating. If that possibility happens, the Rangers need to realize that possibility happens. And they needed to get another player. They needed to be one more player rich. We needed a, a, a situation at the end of camp where instead of talking about, again, it's fucking October 18th and Lieber Hayek is still a New York Ranger and he's no more closer to ever seeing the ice with this team because why the fuck would he? He's not good. But the fact that they allowed this fucking clown to be the reason why they lost Vitaly off Ryan, it, it's, boy. One of the main reasons. That's fucking mismanagement. There's been, there's been the reporting the saying
1: it's not, but I got to tell you, I can't. it's going to be extremely hard it's... to convince me it's not him.
2: It is. It's this simple. If the range, if the ranges, all they had to do was put Hayek on waivers. That's it. That's the difference. That's the, the, this ha- is what it's always, This it's is what it's been,
1: bro. We we. This is the theme of this podcast. You bought out Henrik Lundqvist to protect an asset. You're gonna get nothing for pretty much in your gift You you lost a first round pick to protect Hayek. What or what do we value? Anyway, we have a great win tonight. Great win tonight.
2: <laughs> I know it's it's so much funny because we are coming off as being negative little. I know a little bitches, yeah. But it's it's just, it was a great Igor win, and it's a great Panarin moment. And the five on five overtime is that is like three v three. Fucking yes, alcohol just in. Hockey form, it's amazing. Uh, it's like at the get, same time you get high time. on it
1: immediately, dude. My my mood was so negative heading into overtime. I was like, this game is yeah be, and it should have this been. This game like, it, was it, awful. I I hate that I have to podcast after this. Three v three overtime starts. I'm out of my chair. I'm throwing shit. Yep. Like right away, I was like, oh my god. Oh yeah. I, 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 I,
2: I don't know what happened. I was shirtless. Yeah. What happened? And I like Aaron. Aaron was in the kitchen trying to make dinner, and he watched it happen. <laughs> he went down to he went down to stir his pasta. <laughs> He looked up, and all of a sudden, I was shirtless and just, like, smacking my chest. Like, <laughs> fucking, like, an, an animal. Uh, but, like, here's the thing. It's, it's night like these where it's it, – I, I understand that some people are going to groan and bitch and moan and right, right. get in my mentions and tell me never to talk about the Mets again. It's which just which make is whatever. want to talk about the every, Mets more. Every
1: single week. Whatever. But
2: it, it, this is this is legitimately, like, I can both be happy the New York Mets had Jacob DeGrom on the mound and won one nothing while he struck out 13 guys. While also being really fucking annoyed that they had that little margin of error hey, and in a game in which someone played that fucking well. One thing and I want to thats mention, how I feel about Igor Shosturkin tonight.
1: One thing I want to mention about us as a show and just coverage of sports in general is it, it's okay to feel two ways at once. Duality. Oh, absolutely. Duality is something that is does not really exist in nuanced conversations when you're having these sort of breakdowns of sports and all these things and people either call you you're being too positive or not harsh enough on the team or hey you're being too negative and you really got to look at the bright side we won there is duality when you cover tonight like tonight is a great duality game where Igor provides me this elation and I could be like wow we we were so lucky and Adam Fox and there's so many good things to look at through the first four games the Rangers have won two games that they probably didn't deserve well at least tonight and so they're Listen, they're in a positive way. They're trending in the right direction. But there are a lot of scary potential outcomes for the next couple weeks, including this is a team that wants to make the playoffs in a tough, tough Metro, of which we will discuss with Evolving Wild. The Twins come on in a couple minutes, and you'll you'll be like, oh, the Metro is tough. Maybe they shouldn't have traded their right wing depth. And everyone can make those jokes forever. I'm sure they're going to happen all season because, as you'll hear, not really a great move. And in this situation, you have to realize – you. you can do both. You can be happy and be worried. There's nothing wrong about that. With as being a sports fan, and that's something I think we have to all change when we're when we're following sports in general. There we go. Uh,
2: yeah. Yes. Yes. I I, I agree. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Handshake. I am as a fan. I'm super happy the New York Rangers won tonight. It's not like I'm ever going to root for the Rangers to lose. What a ridiculous concept. At the same time, I could be super annoyed that the Rangers are going to need godlike performances from their goalies to seemingly win on a nightly basis. like, like I've seen this I, show before. Th- that's I've a fucking problem. It before, Yeah. It, uh, it's John Tortorella era hockey. I, 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 There's a big reason why I didn't want John Tortorella back as coach of the New York Rangers. And it's not because the man is the funniest human being I've ever seen in my life. And it's not because I know he's going to give us something to talk about on this show on a daily basis if he was the coach. It's just tonight is what I expected if John Tortorella was the Rangers coach.
1: Yes, uh, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, do we miss anything that we really want to dive deeper into from the last couple of days? I mean, the crafts sauce back in Russia deal. I mean, Kako getting hurt. I just the depth. I, I will
0: take.
2: I will take this opportunity to point out how good Keith Kincaid has looked in his first two games uh, in Hartford.
1: Thank you. i I that was my note, but I, I appreciate it. He he does look quite good. Uh, I, I do want to take just a minute or two because I think it's important to say this. Uh, our good friend Rick Carpinello is retiring. And, oh, um, Uncle Rick. Uncle Rick, and he did, we did stalk him at an athletic meetup once. He was super nice to us, like crazy nice to us. And I have to say, uh, congrats to Rick on the great career. Thanks so much for coming to the podcast and uh, giving us some legitimacy <laughs> at a time when we had very little. And, um, Rick online is a bit of a negative Nancy and in person, he's one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. And, uh, I wish
2: I, him all the best. I wish him all the best. There's no better words I can say than, the best thing about hockey is the people you meet along the way. Am I right, Ryan? Honestly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is the second week in a row. <laughs> we, just have these, we just have these moments that no one understands.
2: Oh, some people are going to understand <laughs> the that jokes, one, though. Joke's
1: just for us. And, and, and you know what I have to say? I agree with that person um i've met a lot of of great people especially at the meetup we had last week i want to thank everybody that came out
2: uh we really we really should before we go to the the twins talk about the meetup because i think it's important for us to emphasize just how amazing you guys honestly are like yeah i understand there we we argue sometimes in the discord we argue sometimes in our mentions but ryan and i when we put these live events together we honestly never know how many people are actually going to show up and we we hope for the best but I Ryan more me more so than Ryan I, I kind of always expect of an empty room when we put this stuff together and the fact that you guys not only jammed out the gin mill they were the entire room was full. Packed. You guys stuck it out for a shitty fucking hockey game. Yeah, I mean, some people
1: like, left a little bit, and I and I can't blame them. Get get out of there. That game sucked. But if 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 we were at the gym for tonight's game, it would have been lit. If I, I don't even say that lightly, I can't. I'm not even allowed to say that. But it would have been unbelievable. It would have been. Oh my god. We the the crowd went bonkers for an offsides reversal call, and I just I just wish, or rather, I hope – they that... were
2: losing two nothing or one nothing or two nothing at the first intermission. And someone just like got up on the bar and started a "Let's Go Rangers" chant it at awesome. the start of the second period. Awesome. Like there were times where it was louder in the gin mill for that game than it was at MSG for
1: opening night. Yeah, someone did point out that since we were in the um, in the chase seats, it's kind of like being in a uh, glass. Yeah,
2: box. I I disagree though because I when the when the MSG got loud, it sounded plenty loud, and you and I were hearing everything it on was the a, ice. It was a library clearly. versus the
1: Dallas Stars, an absolute library. Yeah,
2: I I understand what someone was trying to point out there, but I was able to hear tape to tape passes very clearly and hear what the bench was saying. So it was just that MSG <laughs> yeah. was fucking quiet
1: point point proven, uh, best to our best to Rick. Seriously. Thanks for coming on the podcast. We're going to go to the twins. We'll be back later this week with the BSBOt. Uh, if something crazy happens, it'll be on Wednesday. If, if not, it'll be on Friday morning. It'll come out, uh, after the game versus Nashville, uh, as always, feel free to tweet at us. We'll go to the Twins now. Here we go. Transition. Hey, we're back with some of our favorite guests. We got both of them this time. Exclusive interview with Josh and Luke of a Bobbing Wild. Noted Adam Fox haters. How are you, gentlemen?
3: <laughs> wow, talk what an about... intro. Yeah, talk about the introduction. We are great. First of all, thank you for having us on the podcast. Second of all, we don't hate Adam Fox. Uh-huh,
1: no. Yeah, come on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, I, I, how many quotes did you get from Rager fans the day you released your Norris predictions and you didn't have Adam Fox in the top five?
3: 100? 120? We could go and get the exact amount, but uh, I think it started with, uh, was it Rob Luker, I think was the first one. And after that, because it was funny, when you do these things, a little background for us, like we're, I'm not always thinking about like all of the ramifications of, of some of our tweets, obviously, maybe that sounds silly to even say, but with this one, it was like, oh, all five of these defensemen we put out are really good. And I didn't realize that Adam Fox wasn't there and but he was also sixth. So if I was a little smarter, we would have said probably like I because he was really close to being fifth. I probably just would have put him as fifth and to avoid all of the backlash we got from it. Yeah. But uh, you know, he was slightly below our top five and we didn't clarify that, so we probably uh, um, also I don't deservedly really, got a little hate. I don't for know. That. In the middle of the season, I get really I get really bad about following like the I don't want to say like the narratives, but like. I'm, I'm not necessarily, you know, we've gotten, I've gotten myself into trouble by like, you know, saying, okay, well the, the clear front runner in this situation is X player. And I'm like, I didn't know that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally fair. I totally get it. Um, yeah. for people who don't know both of you out there, and if they're listening to this podcast, they probably do, but I want to double check, explain what evolving wild is and you, what you guys do over there at the website.
3: Yeah, so we are. Our I guess our technically our Twitter account is evolving wild, but that seems to be how a lot of people know us uh, outside of Twitter as well. On um, which we started it as a I don't know back in twenty sixteen as a uh, kind of a wild stats account. We were just like Minnesota kind of Minnesota Wild, Minnesota Wild, yeah. Oh, obviously, yeah. you know. So yeah. just to clarify, um, but and then uh, a couple years ago, we uh, in twenty eighteen we made a after, after we did a bunch of that stuff, we kind of. Started our, we got a bunch of metrics ourselves, and we're making our own models. And to make it easier to share with people, um, we made a site, evolving-hockey.com. Um, and since then, we've just been, you know, kind of growing, adding stuff to the site. So we are twins, we're the co-creators and uh, uh, or co-creators of evolvinghockey.com. If you've, if you've seen those, most people who maybe aren't that familiar but follow some of this stuff would recognize like our RAPM APM or RAPM charts, which the the orange and purple or blue and red, however you want to say it, which gets thrown around a lot but um that's kind of our stuff so yeah we basically just run a, a hockey site full-time now yeah. um congratulations yeah, by the way uh, oh yeah yes, well, thank, thank you yes, thank, thank you. you so much it's been a lot of work but uh you know it's it's been a, a lot of fun and very rewarding so
2: absolutely as uh as someone that's new to the this is the only thing i now do for a living uh, <laughs> oh god how, how, how do i can you teach me
3: well it's it's funny because like we were just talking um just with our our parents are are both self employed they've been self-employed for many many years and it's funny I was telling my mom I was like I mean nobody there's no handbook for this it's not like when you quit your full-time day job like w-2 earning day job that you get handed some booklet with all of the things you need to do so it's been a big uh learning process yeah it's kind of funny we we had a little so we were, i can't give you any advice there yeah I mean. sorry we we have we've had a little bit because we've kind of been running this um as a second job for several years now i think really it started at the beginning of 2020 we we moved to a subscription uh kind of based back end for our um for a lot of the stuff on our site and that kind of became a second job i mean honestly we were just working so much with our day jobs and our um and then maintaining the site that we kind of just had to make a decision this summer Um, And so, or I guess this year was like, this is just too much work. This is not going to be good long-term, but to answer your question, yeah, I uh, know what my, my two pieces of advice is probably um, to talk to an accountant before you think that you need to. And number two is to maybe just talk to a lawyer. You know, those are probably the two things. Greg, did
2: you do either of those things? I did. I did did talk to a lawyer. It wasn't about, well, I mean, it was kind
0: of about this. We can't talk about this. We need
1: to move on. We need to move on. All right, uh, let's get to some actual (laughs) hockey questions. There's one thing. Well, that's uh, off the record. We'll tell you off the air, Twins. Okay, cool. Um, (laughs) Now that I will not believe that part out. Now that we've gotten through all that, your model predicts the Metro to be very close, but it also loves the Devils. And Jack Hughes, who I notoriously hate, who continuously shits on my lawn as I hate him, uh, has (laughs) has seemingly had a very good start to the season. Why does your model love the Devils so much?
3: I mean, it's you know after we posted those i, I spent quite a bit well, of time to clarify it, yeah. yeah so we have yes like you said you kind of not to not to fully say again what you said but the metro we have is the easily the tightest division so that's kind of a number one thing to remember is that what the devils come out right now currently we have them at almost 99 points well and this um, is we haven't updated this for with the new games we're still in the process of getting the the daily updating like yeah, projections anyway but... not to ramble we are we have basically the metro there are six teams in the middle actually basically every team except the blue jackets is always within like eight or nine points so you know that's kind of a, a bit of a caveat here but yes our model does really like the devils and right after we posted that we became uh, very good friends with a lot of devils fans on twitter <laughs> so <laughs> you know it's, it's uh i know that we it's a little bit of a um uh it's very disrespectful for rangers fans and for you guys we're longtime friends so i, I apologize know. for that yeah. but um yeah, I mean, I think the number one thing is that they they, they had some really good um, offseason moves, I, I think, overall. Obviously, adding the best, maybe one of the best defensemen in the league and Dougie Hamilton has really uh, helped them a lot. That's kind of our number one thing. Yeah, but seen. also Tatar was a big uh, um, addition. Um, I know, I just checked, he's like, I mean, per cap friendly, he's on their fourth line right now. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but I don't know what his time on ice is. But, like, I mean, yeah, Tatar is a big add. Even, like, Ryan Graves was a pretty decent add Um on defense so and then then just- like you said jack hughes and a few of their younger like sharon Govich, uh who i always mess up his name sharon Govich, um and a few of their younger players are also like jack hughes is a good example of a player who is i think he's still 20 uh and based on his recent trajectory his last two seasons he had a very good season last year and he kind of fits the mold of very young very good centers or or i guess for young forwards who are um going to kind of he, he's following a trend line that our models seem to kind of find with other players that are of his caliber. Um, So he definitely get, you know, he's definitely kind of projected next year by our stuff to be, I think he's their third best player um behind Hamilton and Tatar which I the Tatar thing is a little bit interesting I know there's a bit of a he's always been kind of a yeah. favorite of the of but not to, this is a Rangers podcast so yes. I don't <laughs> want to talk about the Devils too much yeah. but that's a quick overview of why our model likes the Devils compared to well other I'll,
2: I'll I'll uh I'll dovetail out of that and I'm hoping the answer here isn't the Devils because if it is we're gonna have to start uh taking back some of that Dan Clark podcast money that we gave you guys before this started <laughs> um <laughs> who was in your early season predictions? What was the team where you had a different eye test opinion than what your model churned out? And again, I'm hoping the answer here isn't the devils.
3: Uh, um, I mean, well, that would be one of them. I think the um, other ones, uh, I didn't quite um, realize how bad the ducks were, I think. And then also um, how, like, I mean, when, the Aval- when our model predicted the Avalanche at, like, hundred 100- almost 120 points with 100% playoff certainty, that was a very kind of startling. Like, normally, you know, I mean, I guess that we had the Golden Knights at, like, 99.8, so it shouldn't have surprised me, also, considering how strong of a team they are. But, I mean, the Avalanche just continued to um kind of be a just star, just, I mean— in terms in the league that just kind of continues to surprise me just how good the avalanche are and i always say the eye to the eye test i guess a little bit we don't uh i try not to um we you know we watch a lot of hockey but i think we kind of joke on twitter that we actually don't and we just you know look at the numbers all the time but as, as somebody last year so it, it seems like every year there's like one team that we um are a little bit higher on and then we become friends with the fan base and kind of have fun with that but last year that was our, our team was the canadians we had them very high uh in the north right that's the division yeah yeah um and now they're they've fallen a lot and that we have them as fifth they're kind of right on the bubble in in the uh in the atlantic um a lot of that is because the other four teams above them are all really really good but that was another team that i thought were i was kind of surprised were um our model didn't necessarily like as much and i you know we watched a decent amount of canadians games last year and obviously watched them in the playoffs um, and I, I guess I didn't quite put two and two together there that maybe they had taken a step back this year. Or it also is the division they're in again now um, as well.
1: So one of the teams I see a lot of models, including yours, I, I, I believe, like, is is Seattle. Even though, like, when they drafted that team, I couldn't figure out what the hell they were doing. Uh, do, you think, do you think they, like, were like, all right, let's take every single analytical model out there, and we're just going to take what the players like there, and that's all we're going to do?
3: uh no i mean it's funny i think we also had a similar um uh kind of i mean i did at least i think we kind of we talked about this josh and i but um we also felt similarly but it's funny because i like the thing that seemed like happened to me was that each one of their like departments got picks so like their stats and like analytics department got like a third of the picks and then their coaching staff and like you know that player development whatever got a third of the picks and then. I don't know, maybe the prospect people got third of the pick, or something like that, because some of them were, like, totally, from what we can see from our, in the, at least in the public models that we have, um, a lot of the picks made a lot of sense, like Vince Dunn, or uh, Eberly or, like, McCann, Jared McCann, but some of them just were, like, way off the board, like, I think, what was, there were, like, Columbus, and then the L.A. Yeah, I think and was that, it McDermott I think McDermott, and, and then, now granted, the thing we for anyone who's not familiar we, on our site with our new, we've recently added some articles to our website, and I did a big thing, um, or we both, Luke and I both did, but I kind of wrote it up. But we did kind of a fun little mock expansion draft thing where even before the protection lists were done, I we tried to kind of see like who would we pick based on what was going on, and that was kind of what we were comparing to, and based on that they the, the the kraken made like luke said it's very very like spot on like yes this is the right pick but then they had some picks that were i mean yeah. like that were like seven eight players down the board kind of for us and so it is interesting i think one of the things to keep in mind with the kraken is that their goaltending is really solid and i think there was a lot of pushback almost in a way on that kind of how they were dealing or what their moves were this off season that made gave some people pause as well not only their draft but also like what like you know, what were they doing in terms of optimizing their the next four or five years for the team? Yeah, and also I adding think, Grubauer right now yeah. is like that. You know, he's one of the better goaltenders in the league. And then they also... Um, uh, dreger. Yeah, like there's also very good. And so they they don't really have, I would say, anyone that's like obviously a star or anyone that's a clear like, you know, like a Panarin, right, or like a you know Caprizov or somebody that's like that high-class caliber player that is going to score a lot of goals. But they have a very solid team, and especially they're defensively, they they got and their, their and their defensemen also are really yeah, solid. But it, it so. also just to, like it's like they didn't. It was weird. I thought that there were options where they could have picked players and flipped them for like future draft picks in certain ways, where like maybe there there were a lot of very good defensemen available, and I thought that it could have been smart for them to kind of take as many good defensemen as they could. And then maybe they can't roster all of them. So they trade some of them to other teams. Um, But I mean, I don't know. It didn't really seem like they did anything of like that. They didn't, they didn't try to flip any of the players they took. They really, they just kind of took their team and that was what they were going to do.
2: Any point in time, we talked earlier about how you guys decided to declare war on the range of fan base, (laughs) not including Anna Fox. Did you guys take into consideration how much, love and admiration you would have gotten from the rangers if you just put Lieber hayek on seattle <laughs> in all of your pieces <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh,
3: well, it was funny. i'm trying to remember i was just thinking about it because i remember i was talking to a few rangers people where i don't know if I, I it was a whole that whole time it was it was it was very difficult for me to put together an expansion list before the protection lists were together i don't really know why i tried to do it because then two weeks later they came out it was fun and we got a lot of uh you know engagement with that but um, the Rangers were kind of an interesting team in terms of who their, you know, protected list, protected player would be. And remind me who they, who they, who did the um, the Kraken take? From Colin the, um, Blackwell. Yes. Yeah. And there were a few other players. I, I honestly, there were, there, it, what was funny is I, I kind of wrote this in the article too, and this is a slightly off topic, but I did think that there were several teams. I don't think the Rangers were one of them, but they might've been close that it just didn't really make any sense for the Kraken to take any of the players. I think it was like, like the, Vancouver. Vancouver was a team that I was like, I mean I think Seattle they should maybe add a clause in the future that a team can that you know an expansion team can opt to not draft a player and, and get maybe get a pick or something. I mean, yeah, that, there's a lot of problems there, but it was kind of funny how that worked out. Like but every, yeah, hijack, maybe, you know, uh, but yeah, hijack is I mean how do you say his name? I don't
2: need I'm no, sorry. We oh, no, we just call him the gonna, kayak. That's it. We call <laughs> him the kayak, but I kind hi-jack. of like hijack. I don't want to discourage you from using that as his name.
1: Hijack the kayak. He he just paddles <laughs> our his way into our hearts every single week. That's that's all we <laughs> do here.
2: That's a, I, good, I that's a heard, good That's like, a good bit. We
3: haven't had Rangers fans in our mentions in a while about about Libor, right? Le- I mean, yeah, I Hayek. don't know. I know Hayek. Hayek, yeah, but he's really bad. Yeah, well, he's
1: the reason that we you know we frayed our relationship with Vitalik Krafts off this week. So no big deal. It's like totally fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, my next my next question for you guys was uh how do you go about apologizing to Russians? Because it seems like the wild did a pretty decent job of that this offseason, and Chris Jury needs to take notes.
3: Uh, I mean, I'm not, i maybe I'm missing the reference here. Maybe. Vitaly
1: Kravstov, uh, he was like, I'm not, they sent him down to the AHL and he was like, I'm not about that. I'm leaving. And they were like, what? Oh, we're, right. we're protecting Lieber Hayek. You don't understand. He's a valuable asset. You need to understand, <laughs> understand Vitaly Krabstov. And He's like, I was like a top 10 pick like three years ago. And I was a, a killer KHL player for a while. Don't don't remember that they sent me down to the lower league in the KHL, whatever. But I needed to play in the main roster. They were like, no, we got to protect Lieber Hayek. And then he was like, fuck it, I'm
3: going back to Russia. So that, <laughs> that's
1: where we are right now.
3: Yeah, I uh, I, I mean, it's funny because as Wild fans, the Wild have for years, I mean, they I think it was... Specifically, I don't know if I I don't really know this, but they they rarely had Russian players on their team. Yeah, unlike a lot of they would just take like former former University of Minnesota. Yeah, you know the the Wild, they they love their Minnesota-born players, even if they're like six, seven round picks. But so like the Kaprizov, and then who is their other? They've had a few since Sokolov. Sokolov and another another was it potential Lodya or no? Anyway, so the um I I we are not uh, just given our history of watching the Wild, I. Um, kind of following the KHL and following the Russian leagues, and that's kind of all new. You know, with the Kaprizov thing, it was just like, oh, I guess now I, I, you know, have a reason, or, or now I'm. Uh, it would be good for me to pay attention to those because for years yeah. the Wild never really were going to take a Russian player ever, um, and that's changed definitely.
1: Right, but how do we apologize? <laughs>
2: oh, I, I don't know. You got you got Kaprizov who was like, I'm just going to play in Russia, and you somehow got Bill Guerin to be like, no, no, please stay. <laughs> So we need that advice.
3: I would say that it seems like, at least in that specific scenario, that just throw a bunch of money at him, and yeah. you know, that's Damn your
2: apology, right?
3: Damn yeah. it.
1: All right. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of uh, <laughs> players I'd like to back or, or, or from somewhere else, the Rangers traded Pavel Buchnevich. Can you explain to me and, and people out there that don't understand why that's so big? He's a top-line first winger. They pretty much got a second-round pick for him, and Sammy Blay. who – God bless Sammy Blay, I'm going to love watching him. The grif- grit and toughness he brings to this team, but Pavel Buchnevich, a first-line right winger, and now the Rangers uh, – without Capocaco for the next week. Really have no right wing depth whatsoever. Uh, I'm sure your model had them losing like, I don't know, three points or four points, five points for that.
3: Yeah, I mean, Bruce honestly, Nevis- I think that might have been the worst move
2: of the offseason. Yeah. Hell yeah, I mean, brothers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so glad so glad we had you guys on. This is just yeah. gonna be an uplifting <laughs> afternoon. Wonderful. I mean
3: um, I mean it's well it's funny because the the blues historically haven't really they've been known for not having like a statistics or analytics team. Um, but I guess that, I don't know, you guys, I don't really watch, I mean, I've watched buchnevich a decent, like, a oh, little he, bit. Our, our stuff, to to clarify, our stuff is always really like buchnevich and we yeah. currently have him as, like, the second best player on the Blues this year. He, Yeah, you're right. He probably cost the Rangers probably at least two, maybe three standing points by leaving, and I would say that that add, got added to the Blues. Um, now, obviously, this is all independent of anything else that happened with team uh, roster construction changes and whatnot, but, um, yeah, I... It didn't make any sense. It still doesn't make any sense. I actually would like to ask you about what the hell the Rangers were doing. Yeah, we, can, what, we there, can talk there, about this because any...
1: this is all we freaking do here.
3: My question was, is there anything that makes sense that supports it at all? The only theory, yeah, if, Greg. Uh, Ryan could go first. The no, only
1: theory first. that makes sense, because we've we've debated this heavily, is they talked about this mystical cap space that they needed for moves they were going to make. And as you know, there is a player out there that everyone is trying to get currently. Uh, that have, that have, I wonder who that is. Yeah, <laughs> the Rangers have been involved with him for a very there, long time. Is there a
3: billboard time. involved? What was that? Is there a billboard involved? Yeah, I there was remember. a
1: billboard <laughs> at one point. And whoever did that... Um, Silly boys. That's all I'll say. Definitely didn't break any terms of contract anywhere. So um, now that we've gotten that out of the way, they were definitely involved in that player for a very long time and they won't admit it no matter what, because they, if they knew if they extended Buchnevich for the next six, seven years of which he got in St. Louis, well, that's their team. They're locked up. That's it. They, maybe they trade Ryan Strom, but they've made these contracts like Artemi Panarin, obviously great contract. Jacob Truba, less so, great contract for the eight million over eight years. So you're locked in, and now because the Binninger eight years, so you're you're totally all the way in. You need that space to make you know flexible moves and maybe get that Jack Eichel type player, or maybe somebody else. They're gonna maybe they'll spend all their money at the trade deadline this year. I don't know, but I, I truly believe in my heart of hearts they were deep in on Eichel. They had talks, and then the owners of Buffalo were pretty much like. One, we've seen the billboard, and two, we're never sending him to New York.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean that—that that seems to be the logical, or at least the thing that makes the most sense. I just remember when that trade happened, and obviously there, there's a lot of stuff going on. I don't quite remember all of the bad ones, but that's the one that just seems like. Also, it seems like the Rangers could maybe use him,
2: right? Still, yeah. like he'd still be pretty good. They on the didn't
1: Rangers. have to trade him. That was the part yeah, that made it so, so terrible.
2: The There's good. there's a scenario here. And we don't need to relitigate it, but since you guys are so kind to us and love everything about the New York Rangers, <laughs> we'll explain it to you. Um, the 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 part that in hindsight really frustrates you is because you look at the New York Rangers, and I'm sure you guys have as well, and they're just sitting on this $8.5 million in cap space for this year. Now, whether Pavel Buchnevich would have been cool with doing a one-year deal considering he was a restricted free agent and the Rangers, maybe they didn't want to have to play the one-year deal with him in a vacuum. But even if you don't think Buchnevich is part of your long-term future after this season, you're telling everybody who's willing to listen that you want to be a playoff team, and you intentionally made your team worse for this one year. So it's it's very difficult to thread that needle. But again, we're all just – we're all waiting for that other shoe to drop, and we're at a point now where nobody even knows if there is another shoe that could potentially drop.
3: Yeah, well, and it seems like they kind of just uh, –
2: they,
3: they they big-brained it. They, like, tried to, like they, – they had some plan, and then it just completely didn't work, and now they're stuck without Puchnevich, and they got Sammy Blaze, who's, like, honestly – Markedly like, worse. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we know.
1: <laughs> we're, we're aware of this. The funny part is, is that, you know, J.D. and Gorton got fired because – Dolan supposedly didn't like this plan. Well, it was the same plan that JD and Gorton had. And then that plan fell apart. And here we are.
3: Nothing. Yeah. yeah Safe yeah. face. I mean, well, well so you they, know, Greg need to resign uh jet after this year.
0: Right? No, no, they already, they already signed. did
3: eight years, 8.5 million.
1: He's here. And uh, it's a uh, all front loaded salary. It's like unbuyoutable. He's going to be here forever. And it's uh, the no, no movement clause until seven days before the yeah. trade deadline of the last year. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it, no, I, I it was uh it, it, it yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know the inner workings of the Rangers. We're obviously we're not as uh, tuned in as you guys are. Um, but the uh, in a vacuum that I to maybe put a bow on it, that Buchnevich thing was I think maybe the funniest well, thing yeah. that happened this well, offseason. But I not say, not for right, you guys. Right now we would have Bucnevic as a better player than Jad. <laughs> it's close, but that's yeah. by our models. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I don't know if that's bad news. That's or- bad news. Oh, no, it's is bad it
1: news. A... Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible news. I think people don't realize uh, how valuable Buchnevich was to not only Zabanejad's performance, but the playmaking he provided to boosting him up. Like, Zabanejad's a great scorer, he's a great shooter, but he lacks in some other metrics. Um, his playmaking's okay, and it's gone down a couple uh, the last couple years. But Buchnevich was right there on his right wing a lot of the time, and to not have yeah. him around. Uh, especially when you didn't have to move him. And it could have been a first-round pick, and maybe the draft is so deep, blah, 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 this pick is sort of like a first-rounder. Convince yourself, but no, it's a joke. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to move on. I'm going to ask about your models and sort of how the young kids model out, uh, because players like Lafreniere and Kako have had notably terrible years. Their first year, Lafreniere wasn't on the first power play. His playmaking was okay. The underlying metrics were all right. Kako had a miserable first rookie year, then uh, became one of the better defensive uh, players, I guess, or forwards rather in uh, in the league in a second and then looking to take the leap this year. How does your – does your model have like a uh, sort of a landing point where like this is the worst scenario and this is the best case scenario for these type of players and then you put uh, them somewhere I, in the middle? I think middle?
3: it depends on uh, – I would say that they're – oh, I'm sorry. Am I cutting out there? No, that's it. You're good. Okay. Um, okay. I, I was I, – I would say that the way that we do it usually is that it's not like a, we don't – so I don't. Want, I'm not going to get too technical here, but predictive or prediction interval or like uncertainty terms are like a something that we've um, we've recently done with our guard projections. So it's a little bit more nuanced than that, where it's kind of like you give a range. But because of the uncertainty in hockey overall and the randomness, and not to mention a lot of uh, one of the big aspects of why that's so random is because of the missed time and injuries. It's very difficult to predict when a player is going to miss half a season or something like that, which adds an incredible amount of uncertainty into predicting for next year. Um, I, I think. We generally just focus on what we what's called kind of a point estimate, so it's like in the middle of the expected outcome. Um, so there's always kind of an upper and lower bound, and how how big that is kind of depends on generally what kind of history they have. I would say with Kako, um, it, we, there's definitely some uncertainty around him. I, yeah, has, because yes, of his – so I won't get into this too much, but two, was it two seasons ago was Kako's first year? Miserable, I, like worst rookie season of all time. Yeah, we know it's one of the yeah one of the funniest uh, rapham charts on our site is looking at that and then last year out of nowhere comes in as like kind of like selkie type player now i don't know if that actually translated to what he looked like on the ice it did. but yeah and so that kind of like with a simple projection model you would say okay 2 years ago really bad last year really good so somewhere in between right but that's a pretty wide range and so what we kind of try to use is um, we, we we build it out so that we include previous uh, players. Like I was talking about this with Jack Hughes, but um, we we take age, we take position, we take kind of also contract status and, and draft. Then draft position, draft position, these things, and we try to let an algorithm find comparable players that then can give an indication of where we think that player might be this year. Now, offhand, it's 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 a lot it's a lot more technical than and also kind of hard to find actual comparables of what the model is finding. Anyway, for Caco, for instance, for our, from our GAR projections which we released. Um, I think he projects to be uh like the sixth best forward um on the, on the Rangers. Now this is uh older we haven't updated this with the new current lineups yet. So but he also has like one of the highest uncertainty terms. well not but among like the the major players on the on the on right. the Rangers very uncertain player. He's got a much lower lower bound and a in and a in mu- a higher upper bound. Yeah, sophomore for instance is a much less uncertain so much more certain yeah much but more a lot more... of that is also because he only has it it's a we're rambling here I think we should just stop talking but Kako is an uncertain player and I feel like last year is maybe more like what he will be like or should be like because of his I think that what the scouts were saying now obviously that's not always the case but you sometimes lean on that when you maybe have not as much data like we yeah. do with him
2: got it you guys I I've, if people know about you they know about how you are the two people that probably love Valerie and his more than his own parents. Um, is there a player this year you guys are maybe not that bullish on, but comparing to, and this doesn't have to be range related, just comparing to other models. Is there a guy that is like a plant your flag guy this season that people should be more aware about?
0: Yeah.
3: So the one, the one this year that was our, our, I think the guy that early projections were uh Manjipani in Calgary is our, is our guy this year. Now we'll see, what happens, but he we we really are um, projections for him next year uh, we are really good defensively. Now, for any of the people who don't know us that well, we're big Wild fans, and we really lean in. We actually we kind of joke about this on Twitter, but we actually like this is what we like watching is defensive hockey. I love watching defense. Uh, it's not the most um uh, n- you know not the most entertaining or fun thing to say, but I also think it's kind of just grown up Wild fan. That's what I got used to and what I enjoyed. So my favorite player all time, Nico Koibu. Um anyway, I'm 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 uh, <laughs> asking, but, but I, I will um, I will add so Mangi for Josh, I will say for me is Vince Dunn. Yeah. Which uh, I think he was underutilized potentially in St. Louis, and it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens with him in Seattle. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward because he's just been like kind of our models have loved Vince Dunn for several years now, and it seems like the blues just have used him in a third, third pairing role, which maybe that's why he performed so well. So it'll be interesting to see if they move him up into a, a higher leverage situation. Um, you know, maybe he, maybe he, he just kind of keeps doing well and that's, I'm hoping for that because we've always liked yeah. it. But those are kind of our two uh, plant the flag players this yeah. year and we'll see what happens in season.
1: Well, all right. I have to ask. So Igor is, uh, Igor Shosturkin is the goalie for the Rangers right now. Uh, what did your model say about the, the kind of the goalie tandem? If you have stats on that, cause Igor seems like he could take the step to be like a top two, top three goalie this year. Well, Georgiev looks like he might not be in the NHL in about three years at this time, even though being an asset, he's a big asset, huge asset. I mean, everybody should want him.
3: Yeah. Um, I, I think the, so. First of all, we're not, we kind of also joke about this a little bit, but goalies are very difficult to evaluate. I think, especially when, um, you know, they, they don't have, and
1: that's, that's eye test too, by the way, that's not just analytics. That's period. Yeah.
3: Yes. And, and I would say even, even with more, you know, a lot of things that get brought up is that we don't have enough data. And I would say that's probably correct. Like we don't have proper goalie positioning. We don't maybe have glove angle, you know, I, I don't know, glove position and all these things. Right. Um, but, I almost don't even really want to say anything about goalies. <laughs> that you, that's a totally fine answer. You don't have to say anything. I was really just trying to
0: get
1: you to say something mean about Georgiev. I work for Keith Kincaid, so I'm trying to get him called up. All right, now, <laughs> well,
3: now that we got that figured out. Um, I was going to say, we do have Shesterkin rated higher than Georgiev, and it's a decent amount higher. Yeah, he's a really good goalie in our projections. Yeah. He would be that yeah, top ten percentile, like 91st percentile. Very strong goalie for the yeah. Rangers. So.
1: Awesome. Um, is there is there a surprise defensively Keandre Miller as a rookie had what would be considered like he played a lot of ice time I think he averaged like 20 minutes but he's been on and off exposed here and there towards the end of the last season one of the first games of the of the first few games of the season this year what is the weakness of the Rangers defense if you can really find one or I'm sure you can what what
3: is it um I mean uh you mean the blue line like, yeah yeah uh, sorry about uh, that. yeah um, only the
1: blue line that was me being a bad host
3: let me just take no, a look. I mean, I honestly, like they have a pretty solid defensive core. I think. I mean, you know, I think is I don't even know a lot of these players. I'm just like, okay, who is this person? Niels I mean, Lundqvist
1: and players. Patrick Nemeth. So yeah, the
3: Nemethist. Say, so, so the the weakness is going to be definitely those two. Um, yes. And but <laughs> again, our models love Adam Fox. Uh, and even even Keandre kaandre Miller. Uh, is. Fred tracks out really well. Yeah, really he, he's rated, too. like, the second best in our current, like, roster for the Rangers. Um, But, yeah, I would say, I mean, I don't know, that's kind of a boring answer, though, because, like, everyone, every team's bottom pair is kind of, like, that's not worth it. But the they're not player. terrible. No, I mean, I actually think that the Rangers, uh, honestly, I would say the the Rangers' bigger issue is their bottom six forwards, not their defensemen. Maybe that's the answer we'll yeah. give. <laughs> it's like also, oh, like, Ryan, like, I don't yeah, know. McKeg, you know. know, like. Was that in response to the the Capitals shenanigans last year? Or oh, you a- know
2: it. Yeah, but we
1: didn't fight one time. Why? Why <laughs> do we do this? You yeah, that. yeah. so we, stupid. We we're like, hey, we're gonna yeah. get grit and tough, and then we're gonna we're gonna be able to beat you with our fists and on the ice. And then the game starts. Tom Wilson doesn't even get like heavy checked like one time. No fights. Ryan Reeves comes in. Nothing. Nothing.
2: Yeah. Sorry, just, I'm infuriated. I, the The follow up question here is, uh, you guys said that. The Rangers' weakness this season is probably going to be the bottom six. Well, what's your response when I tell you that that bottom six is intentional and by design?
3: Well, I'm looking here at you know, Sammy Blaze, uh, like you know, and Ryan went so that was the other funny thing. It's like, so it's like, okay, you trade Buchnevich, so you're getting this other guy. It's like, we know who he is already, kind of, yeah. so you know where he's going to be in the lineup, right? And then they get Reeves, and you're like, oh, because I mean like ryan reeves really grades out poorly by our stuff yes and i understand that teams that there's a um that that kind of the enforcer uh role is still needed by for some reason from teams and that's why they get it and it makes sense but if that's what you're doing in your off season to in a very the other thing is it's in a very competitive division yes like the metro is such a competitive division that you know it's like it's like i don't know it just feels like i don't do they even i don't know I could ramble about this forever uh i don't feel like the moves they did with their forwards are really necessarily giving them a competitive advantage this season but they also are kind of lucky that they have the you know the, the good forwards and defensemen that they do um and you know pretty good goalie and, yeah i think like if they uh, say they keep butchnevich and they don't add reeves or mckeg they're probably I mean that would enough right there in our projections would probably put them almost second in the division. Yeah, maybe third first, in the division. In our yeah, this you
1: know? is what we were really worried about. So yeah, this is uh, this is what this was our whole summer. So let's just say theoretically they do obtain Jack Eichel, we're good. Like things are all right <laughs> like when uh, he comes back. Uh,
3: if they uh, drop uh, McHager Reeves yeah. and add Eichel, uh, or I mean. Yeah, God, oh, he, is I not, would think that adding a player like Eichel to this team would probably add uh, would he, probably add about his that. Eichel's a really interesting player because that doesn't like it's just a really unique situation where a player of his caliber um miss basically has that type of injury and then has a significantly decreased output in performance and then projecting that is really kind of weird because it's like you don't really know like we can't build in like injury well we actually when have I tried I, to build I, in I asked, yeah i tried to and i asked on twitter about like what a similar situation was where a player's like just and i was it i'm gonna mess is it lindros or there was a player who um sat out like a whole season for an injury or like kind of a holdout kind of thing and but there aren't my point is we don't have a lot of examples of players um who've done this who are at that caliber who also then play the next year and how we would be able to see maybe a pattern there or get any kind of read so, Eichel is, is, I think, as is a, a big question, question mark on that. Also, question mark. Now, we all know that Eichel is very good. And I guess that we, it seems like all the reports are that he's skating and that it's something that he's been able to kind of work through and kind of maintain his level of play. But also, there's a lot of quite, like, you know, we don't really know. Like, we don't know what kind of impact his health is going to have over the next two or three years or even this year, I think. And then you also have a lot of this kind of the impact of this offseason stuff and just the, the way that the Sabres have handled him. Like, that, you know, that's a very specific situation. So, yes, Eichel would probably bring the Rangers up to maybe one of the best teams in the Metro, if not the best team, but it's hard to kind of know, yeah. that, you but know that. And um, that's a very uncertain yeah, kind of move, yes, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, what's, well, I guess we'll keep waiting. Greg, any of your final questions for the Twins?
2: Uh, just, like, the meaning of life besides that. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, um, I guess it, it's fitting if we have you guys on to add, uh, to finish this with a Minnesota base question and we understand your love for the Minnesota wild but my better question is how is everybody feeling about the Jose Barrios trade oh man uh, yeah,
3: I didn't like that I kind of like pieced on baseball after the twins just started like you know we also had obviously the whole going full time you know and, and took up a lot of time and whatnot but also like I just it was just a pain to watch the twins and Barrios was one of my I mean like I, I just one of the things that's fu- kind of funny almost the opposite in baseball is I I love watching young players like that get that are you know because the, the the twins they they had Sano and Buxton uh, were like you know like I think it was like first or second picks like two years in a row yeah and then um, you know it was just it's and then Brios was like the guy who was coming up in their minor you know in the in their farm system that was like this guy is really good and could be kind of a top you know top starting pitcher in the league and it was just fun to watch him develop and kind of come up and then when they traded him he was like my favorite pitcher for the Twins yeah. since like I don't know maybe like, like Santana. Santana probably and then he gets mm-hmm. traded and I'm like oh and the Twins suck. It's like, I don't know what they're going to do next year. Buxton's hurt all year. He's like my favorite player, like on the Twins? So uh, not good. I guess you're throwing it back. If we're talking yeah. some uh, <laughs> shit about the Rangers.
2: Yeah, yeah this, our, this, you know. this is essentially how I get back at you for, because anytime you guys would tweet anything over the summer about something terribly going wrong with the Rangers after it did, I would just be like, all right, so the Mets are going to trade for Barrios, but then I didn't get what I wanted because they didn't. And now we all have to live in a world where this guy is not only not on either of our favorite teams, but every hockey writer who pretends to be a baseball fan in the summer is now going to gush about this guy for years, <laughs> and it's just—it's well, going mean, to kill us.
3: It is. It is absolutely going to kill us. And I, well, yeah, so much fun to watch. He is, he's a really fun pitcher to watch. And it's, if anyone's watched him, or maybe you know uh, people who are maybe hoping that their team traded for him, we're watching him as he, you know, we watched him for. I watched him. Uh, you know, basically, I think he's been on the he was on the Twins for the last four or five years, I think. And um, yeah, just wicked stuff. But yes, uh, not not the best thing now hopefully you know the twins are better I'm to just, watch i'm just hoping you know? for buxton to stay healthy i know that's all i want that's i just want, I want to buy want. For buxton to play a full season and come yeah. fully i want push
2: back too
1: so we, we can't have yeah. some things so was, we can't was, all have what was, we want
2: i was about to say you guys are hoping for this buxton fully healthy season like because i have more terrible news he will not be a twin on opening day uh, yeah, like, oh yeah
3: well you you shut your mouth <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh gentlemen why don't you plug your wonderful website where you can subscribe and also uh, oh yeah well your more, podcast. more importantly
2: gentlemen tell us tell us about it, your first foray into hockey podcasting
3: yeah it's been a. why well, should i ask you well maybe we'll get to this after if you have any advice for oh, uh, we'll you podcasters but um yeah What what's your you just asked us a couple questions this whole time what is your advice maybe something we are not thinking about right now for our current podcast that we should be thinking about the
1: number one thing it's the first thing greg and i agreed upon and it may be the last thing greg and i have ever agreed upon which is you have to do the show every single week on the same day no matter what
3: okay no yeah, matter what yeah, and we we didn't really do we weren't too good about it this off season because I don't know it's hard to talk like yeah often <laughs> about that. it is like <laughs> like, uh, like I know uh, you guys were we're preaching sure how many how many episodes have you guys done?
2: Uh, this oh, will geez. be
1: the uh, what is it three hundred and eighth week in a row we've done this. Yeah, oh, it's the three hundred
2: and eighth Monday episode, but there have been OTs and emergency podcasts. We've been in there doing too.
1: two episodes a week for about hundred and nine weeks now
2: yeah I mean, we're, we're we're probably we're probably closer to 420 than we are nice what our real number is
3: <laughs> i mean it, it i will say that it uh, i so uh, sean anyone if we have uh, our social media manager and like long time kind of you know friend uh, uh kind of previous hockey graphs or current hockey graphs alumni not alumni we're all still there yeah but um he is uh we do a podcast it's just pretty boringly called the evolving hockey podcast because, you know, stick to the brand, yeah. you know, get the colors right, and that's it. It's just Luke, me, and our uh, and our social media guy, and, and also hockey analyst, Sean Ferris, um, who runs it. But we just started it and I think it was August, and he's been trying to get us to do one for, like, a year, maybe longer. Yeah. And I just knew how much time it was going to be, like, more than you think. A lot of people, I think, realize, like, oh, yeah, you just sit around for, you know, you just talk for 45 minutes, that's fine. And i i think our first three or four episodes it took us like 45 minutes to figure out like techno issues before we actually started because it was luke and i having to do it um you know and record everything and make yep. sure sean's recording and i mean you guys know this we're preaching the choir but uh i think it's a little bit of um now that we're in it we just did our sixth episode which is yeah. funny to say it's like compared to 400 from you yeah, or like a lot of other people but, um, so yeah if anyone's interested we just talk uh but we tried, we were, we told ourselves it's off season. Cause we had more times. So we didn't have our day jobs. Like let's do this weekly. Yeah. And then w- not only was it very difficult to stick to that, but also it's like, I would, try, I would, we were supposed to do one. And I would be like, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Like, what is the hell is going on right now? Greg and I like, have
1: gotten to a point where we don't pre talk about anything and we, okay. we yeah. just go for it. We used yeah. to, yeah. I used to have notes, like full rundown notes on everything I wanted to talk about but we I've found that over the past couple of years it's it's just way better if we free flow it and go through the topics of the week that's it and
3: it yeah. was funny yeah. we did a similar thing where our first three episodes or something we try to like have like a little outline and then Sean would introduce it and we kind of like do a little banter at the beginning and then you know we'd have the whole thing planned out but a lot of times when you, you guys know this is like we would you know we sh- you know we'd send out the video link or whatever we're doing and then Uh, you know, it's like, oh, we get on, we hop on. It's like, oh, how you doing? You chat for half an hour and it turns into 45 minutes or whatever. And then you're like, oh shit, we got to do this podcast. And then you're like, well, (laughs) we just talked about everything. That's kind of interesting. Now we have to re-talk about it. You know, so we we don't talk before we start recording. Like we'll
1: sit in silence. We won't talk. (laughs) (laughs)
2: The two bits bits of advice I would give you guys is um, the thing I've learned most is it doesn't matter who your guests are. People tune in to hear you. So understand yeah. that and own your own brand, and then two, never do a podcast where you're comparing hockey players to Pokemon. People hate <laughs> that. Apparently,
1: yeah, that was not a popular episode for us, but it, it, you know, we really enjoyed
2: it. <laughs> I had it might be my favorite episode we've ever done, and it's the only podcast where people are like. If you ever do this shit again i'm leaving and never coming back yeah like,
1: like people threaten to unsubscribe to our patreon for sure
2: <laughs> that's that's really oh, fun. that's okay, so well, funny okay well
3: all of this advice is very good i will i'm i'm jotting it down as we speak um but yeah not to belabor this too much but we uh yeah luke and i uh you can find us on twitter at evolving wild or our, our uh, website uh twitter is at evolving hockey um also we run a website like we said evolving-hockey.com um it's only five bucks to subscribe a month or a little less if you do an annual subscription and we have a whole bunch of stuff for um in-season live games you know a lot of player and team evaluation contract projections player projections uh fantasy projections, fantasy projections. yeah your contract Games.
1: projections are, the, are some of the best in the biz that's for sure yeah thank well, you thank so you. um
3: so yeah if, if you ever want to um you know check it out head over to the website um yeah i think that's and then we have a podcast you know i guess but i don't yeah, check it out it we're feels, on, a, it feels yeah. a little uh yeah we're on all the major. what do you call them like Platforms? directories i don't it, know it, what, you, you know always just
1: called. say wherever you find your podcast
3: so much yeah, easier yeah that's it. We're gonna to have to transition to that because I haven't. We're going to be like you can find us wherever you know. People know. Trust me, transition. they know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's that's uh that's uh you know what we'll do. So yeah, awesome.
1: Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. We're also gonna leave. Uh, I'm o- I'm Ryan Mead. I'm here with Greg Kaplan. The twins have joined us. You can follow me at on Twitter at oRyanMe. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We'll be back next week, and we love you guys. Bye. Yeah. Hey, and as always, I want to take this time at the end of the podcast to thank our very special NHL Insiders Offer Sheet Club exclusive members of our patreon would not be here without this group love reporting on I, this is the group i try and get all the secrets for the secrets sometimes i get them sometimes i don't but i do try i do try anyway here's the, here's the group that i'm thinking of adam cassidy adam cohen adam keach Cheech. Oh, i messed it up again alex Carter, alexander amber coensberger Austin Beetleman. That's a Austin Beetleman's in all caps, by the way. That's how they spelled their name. Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Biggies Malone, Brian Doyle, Broadway Boucher, Breeder Chris Finelli, C.J. Stellwagen, uh, Daniel Day-Day Zen with a J, David Aaron and David uh, David Siegel, Dennis Dites, Eric Stagg, Georgia Brisky, Gib Gardner a Cup, Harrison I saw so Harrison at the Meetup, Jake Berkowitz, Jerry Marquez, J.D. Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, Chris from Florida, Christoph Burke, Kyle Franklin, Lazek Gorkowski, Lucas K, Matthew Kind, Max Nielsen. Pa- another new member. Welcome aboard. Pa- Pavel Kojarev, Randy Tesser. Saw Randy at the bar. He drove me back. Randy Ryan Sheeran. Welcome, Ryan. Steven Lomayer, Thank you. Stig Bull. Bach. Swine Garth. Drop BK. Tommy Sinclair. Tommy O'Neill. The legendary Tory from Manhattan. Vinny Bracco. Vinny Hay. And Will Spector. Who I also saw at the meetup. Cannot thank you all enough. For the NHL Insider stuff, I'm thinking about doing uh, an NHL Insiders something event. I actually was thinking about doing uh, an announcement, like an opening night announcement um, through this. I don't know. I want to do something weird. You guys should reach out to me. Let me know what I can do. I want to do weird stuff. I want to make weird content for NHL Insiders. (laughs) All right. I'm tired. It's late, and we're still recording. Um, What a podcast. That's all I have to say. I hope you guys have a wonderful Tuesday. We'll be back later this week. I love you all. Goodbye.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain.